Um, excuse me, Mr. Nicholson? Jack? It's, um, it's, uh, it's time, time for the Joel Mahalik Show. <clears throat> Let me explain something to you. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. And it will then take me time to get back to where I was. Understand? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the program. It's the Joel Mahalik Show. I bid you a large welcome and welcome back, and welcome to the month of July. It is July 1st. We've made it now into the seventh month of the year safely. So hello and welcome to the program. Uh, I have been away for a few weeks, took a few weeks off. It feels really good to be back and behind the microphone and sharing time with you who I affectionately refer to as the Joel Mahalik Nation, or Nation for short, so hello, Nation. Hello to everyone over the world listening around the globe. And uh, <laughs> we have some things that go over tonight. Um, so one of the big things that I'm going to talk about, which could take a large portion of the show, is if you have not seen my latest opinion editorial on joelmahalik.com, then you'll find out about it tonight, of course. It was titled, The High Cost of Being a Diabetic, and Exploring the High Cost of Insulin, for example, and that will be a large uh, chunk of the subject matter tonight on the program. And then, of course, later on, the Wombat of the Week uh, is in. The results are in, and the Wombat of the Week is in. But first, yes, I'm back after a two-week break. And full disclosure, this will happen once in a while, like a reset. And that's to make sure that I can be fresh with content for you guys. And, you know, it's not just it's not just this, right? If you think about life in general and how... Things pile up on you. You have work, you have home, and you have your extracurricular things that you do. And for instance, this is my, one of my extracurriculars. I love doing the show. But when everything piles up on you like that, you need to step back. Now, I, I, I realize that more now than I ever have before. And I would just keep chugging away and chugging away and chugging away. And that's how a lot of people do it. But I realize now that I can't. We just simply cannot keep chugging and chugging and chugging. And so in order to straighten things out, uh, this is a uh, an easier path to put on rest while I work on the other things. You know, working for a living is something you have to do. And when you hold down multiple jobs, such as yours truly, this is the part for me that goes, okay, let's take a little bit of a break. Let's get some things ironed out over here, which is what we did. Hopefully, if you had not heard all the episodes of the Joel Mahalik Show, you tuned in and you got them on joelmahalik.com. You went there, you can get the podcast, you can listen, you can get caught up, and then we're off for another run. So if you're a first-time listener, you stumbled upon the webpage, hey, 
welcome here. Stop by at joelmahalik.com to get the podcast, news, my blog, and all kinds of other stuff. Even stuff yet to come. Isn't that a great phrase, yet to come? It's a little old-fashioned. I like it. Things yet to come. You can find out about that there, too. Also, uh, when we return to live broadcasting, you'll be able to chat through the Spreaker.com page, simply signing up with your free Facebook account. Uh, speaking of Facebook, find me there at JM Talk and Twitter at WQYB Radio. And uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm over there, too. Just look for Joel M., I, I I think I had this conversation with you guys before. I still haven't really found where the handle is, but I think if you look me up, I look me up by name too. I'm not hiding anything. Joel Mahalik, probably find me, but it looks like it looks like my short name on Instagram is Joel M. The rest I shall leave up to you to work that out. But that's how you get a hold of us here at the program. So uh, today, being the first of July bringing us into July. Um, there's several things going on today as far as these days days of the year. We like to talk about the days of the year and what's going on. And one of the things that uh, I'm mentioning first, and maybe the only one I mentioned today, is because we'll talk more about this subject matter <laughs> down the road tonight, okay? Today is Canada Day. Every July 1st is Canada Day. The celebration of Canada coming together, three colonies becoming one country. And um, so the celebration is of that. The celebration is of uh, Canada as a country. And uh, also they celebrate, you know, uh, with food. They have uh, some extremely uh, incredible local food. And they, you know, they also are a place that has um, uh, a lot of, a lot more freedoms than other countries, or as they like to say, civil liberty freedoms. In other words, a lot more freedom in some of their laws. Now, of course, some of their other laws are uh, weird, and uh, we relate to them as being weird, but that's okay. It, they're still Canada, and they'll be the subject later on of uh, the main story tonight on the program. So that is today, and every July 1st is um, is Canada Day. And it's weird, right? Because we live here in the United States, and, and I'm talking about this, but you'll see why. So there's, and there's other days, like today is International Joke Day. So stop by the Facebook page. There'll be a joke on there for Joke Day. Uh, and it's at, after the show, of course, or it might be, yeah, it'll be, I'll get it taken care of. Uh, after the show, I got a, I got a joke, and we'll put it out there. Uh, a second half of the year day. I mean, it, 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 is there a reason we need second half of the year day? I don't know, but we have it. Also, build a scarecrow day. It's also zip code day. No matter where you're from, you're likely familiar with the concept of a postal code. Yes, we are. And that string of numbers or letters at the end of your address, that designates, desig, designate, de, designates, I can talk, just where you live. So, uh, International Zip Code Day, they have a day for that. I don't know why, but they do. And it's every July 1st. Also, it's Postal Worker Day, which is strange, because it's on the 1st of July every year. But, if the 1st of July falls on a Sunday, do we have to celebrate it? I'm just kidding. 
You know, have you ever noticed you do see postal trucks riding around on Sundays? That's because uh, parcel deliveries at the post office, you know, years some years ago, started doing more parcel deliveries up in their game. Why? Because people were sending more snail, uh, more email rather than snail mail, more text messages rather than sending pen pal letters. And so as the decrease of that happened, the post office had to do something to up their game. And so they did that. So if you notice postal trucks out and about on a Sunday, that's because they will deliver parcel deliveries, packages, seven days a week. Um, Also, Ginger Snap Day, Creative Ice Cream Flavor Day. Now, the reason for that might be because July is ice cream month. Now, see, that's appropriate. Well... Not that I've said this before. I think it's weird that we celebrate foods, but if you're going to have an ice cream month, it might as well be one of the hottest months of the year. Am I correct? So there you have it. Just a little review of the days of the other that we are celebrating today. And there's some other interesting things that we'll get into during the course of the month here on the program, as far as days of the year and as far as the, uh, the month. The month of the year. So. But uh, during, during my break, you know, we were, uh, we were uh, uh, camping down a beach. And we spent a week. What's, what's interesting is, you know, uh, for a period of time, a, a long period, period of time, we used to live in uh, Cape May. Uh, North Cape May to be exact. But right down there on the Cape May Peninsula. And during the summer, it was... As as someone who lives there and works there, summer was really horrendous because of the traffic. And, of course, more so during the weekends, but it was a steady flow of heavy traffic all along the area. And, of course, if you worked in another town, as I did, and you had to travel between two or three towns, that made your commute longer all summer long. You had to compensate for that. And at one point while we were there, working 80 miles from home, you had traveling all the way up that Cape in the summer was really terrible. And the interesting thing here is, and we were camping in... Um, Downstate, which is, again, it's like Cape May in that you have all these connecting seasonal towns. Now, obviously, school has been out, and we spent uh, eight days down there. Eight? Nine? Eight days. And the thing is, the weekends were heavy, and the week was practically dead. And even during the week, we actually traveled you know, through a couple of the towns, you know, for sightseeing, shopping, whatever have you. And it just seemed different from what I remember of beach towns, vacation towns during the week. Now, obviously there is some downturn because people do still work for a living, right? But this was just odd to me that we were able to move around as if it was not summer at all. And I'm just wondering if, you know, I, I was trying to think to myself, what has changed? Because even uh, as, a, as a child vacationing on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, same thing. 
You go down there, you're there for a couple of weeks, you see that it's constantly uh, a, a large flux of traffic throughout the whole time, throughout the whole region. And just I was just wondering last week as I was thinking about this, what might have changed, or is it just this particular area? I mean, you know, what is Cape May like still in the summer during the actual week? Because that was the one thing that you liked living down there. You liked being that close to the beaches. But summer was just not your favorite time of the year. You ended up spending a lot more lost time getting from point A to point B because of traffic. And maybe it had something to do with the proximity of where we are, were, but even where we were last week, we're in the same proximity to all the attractions and still moving around pretty, pretty easily during the week. It was nice because the campground was very quiet during the week. But even as a child, campgrounds were pretty much, I mean, you know, they stayed full during the week in the summer. They were still full. So I don't know. Just listen, random thought. You know, if you have any comments on that, you can always send them to me on Facebook. You can send them to me, Radio at gmail.com. Post them on Facebook at JM Talk. You know, it could because if you live in one of those kinds of areas, one of those types of areas, uh, what is it like during the week? in summer, being able to get around. And I realized when we were camping last week down there that there is a a part of me that misses being that close to that kind of area. Certainly, I do not miss living in New Jersey, but that's a story for another time. But there, I do have some nostalgia to living close to the seaside and close to attractions and close to so much stuff that you know you can do at a moment's notice. Uh, that is really close. I mean, the fact that you could just on a whim visit the boardwalk. You know, the fact that on a whim you can go to the beach. And so those things are nice. And some of those things you could always take advantage of before school let out, which turned the place into crazy land. And also after Labor Day, when schools were back in and summer folk went back home and it was still warm enough. If you had Indian summer, you still had a a great deal of time where you had everything, quote unquote, to yourself. That's what we called it. After Labor Day, we used to say, it's all, we have it all to ourselves again. And it was amazing, even going to the boardwalk and the amusements and the water park and stuff like that, how you just felt like you owned it, like it was yours because it was so empty, you know? Um, So... Just um, as I'm talking, as I'm having this discussion, more and more thoughts coming in, and that's why I'm, you know, I'm telling you that stuff. You know, if if you haven't lived in that area, uh, then you wouldn't know uh, what these feelings are like that you have. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it's maybe vac- living in vacation land moods, I guess. You know, call them moods, <laughs> mood swings, because believe me, when you're trying to get to work in the summertime, you will have some nasty moods. Uh, which reminds me, driving to work during the summertime, uh, the driving situation everywhere, not just down in vacation land, but everywhere, still continues to be a problem, and I just don't understand 
uh, where the issue is. I don't understand why people continue to drive the way they do. I'm talking about still people that just cut you off, cut in front of you, turn in front of you, turn when it's not clear, yield when they shouldn't yield. All these things. Is there no... I don't understand where where the urgency is and how urgency has taken precedence over safety. Because aren't you concerned that something can happen to you, even something fatal, by the way you drive or lack thereof? Because it's very problematic. All over. From here to vacation land. It's unbelievable to me. It's unbelievable. I'm tongue-tied. It's unbelievable to me that people still concentrate more on texting and being on their phone while they're driving, being distracted. This is just going to constantly be a constant subject for discussion because the problem won't go away. And I would submit to you that if the police just started randomly pulling people over and issuing tickets for being on their cell phones, if they made that a priority, or one of their priorities, I understand they have priorities, but if they can put that on the priority list, you know, while you're watching for speeders, while you're cruising around and you see somebody on their phone, couldn't you turn that into a traffic stop? Because otherwise, people feel vindicated. They feel like this is okay to do because I never get stopped. It's just like people who like the speed. Well, I've never been stopped before. I use the phone because I've never been stopped for using the phone. And when we start holding people accountable, that's the key, accountability. When we start holding them accountable, then we start seeing a change in behavior. When people feel like they are not accountable for their actions, they will continue to do the actions that they feel like they're not accountable for. We have to make people accountable. Hashtag make people accountable. I got to write that down. Make people accountable. I'm going to hashtag that. I'm going to hashtag that on uh, tonight. Tonight. Notes to the show. Hashtag make people accountable. It's going to be on there. And we'll see if that even gets out. Maybe my next opinion piece might be on make people accountable. That's all it really takes, folks. That's all it takes. You have a law in the books. Execute the law. Hashtag. Hashtag execute the law. Okay. I'm running out of time by writing things down. So... (laughs) Execute the law. Hashtag make people accountable. So please just drive safe. That's all I'm asking you to do for you and for me, for both of us, for all of us. Drive safe. Hashtag. All right. Well, hashtag, I'm going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about my latest opinion editorial and subject matter that goes along with that. Don't go away. I'm coming right back after this. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? 
Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Broadcasting from a crummy little studio in Baltimore, Maryland. This is Reality One Radio. You see why we need your donations? Welcome back, boys and girls, to the Joel Mahalik Show. I'm Joel Mahalik. Welcome you here. Uh, JoelMahalik.com. That's where you may be right now listening to the program. And that's where you can listen to all the previous programs. Get the news and the latest things going on. Read my blog. And that's all at JoelMahalik.com. Find me on Facebook at JM Talk and Twitter at WQYB Radio. And Joel M, or Joel Mahalik, on Instagram. So there you have it. Uh, welcome back. Glad you could be here. If you're just tuning in, um, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. A triple welcome for you tonight, uh, right now. I want to talk about uh, my latest opinion editorial, which was entitled The High Cost of Being Diabetic, and it's available at joelmahalik.com. Then click on blog, and that will take you there. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. Um, so this, uh, uh, some full disclosure, okay, uh, I'm diabetic and I'm type two and I've been type two, I think since I'm being diagnosed anyway, <sighs> probably, well, I'm trying to think how long we've been living here in this location, this little part of the globe. Uh, I can't even think at the moment. Okay, so probably about thir- 12 or 13 years. Diagnosed. When I was diagnosed, I don't know how far before that I might have been diabetic because I was uh, a pretty damn diabetic when, <laughs> when they found out. So, uh, And turns out it, it is genetic. Um, runs through uh, my family. Uh, re- we can record it all the way back to my grandmother who passed away uh, decades before I was born. But so there you have it. So it, it, it you know it, it's sure it has to do with what you eat, but uh, they have come to learn that it's mostly from genetics. And then of course, if you know it's in your genetics and you do something along the way, you may be okay because we understand it's a discipline. Uh, we understand that. We understand it's you know eating well, exercising right. Uh, we also understand, especially as bad diabetics, that if I can get a triple cheeseburger for 99 cents, but it costs me $12 for a salad, then there's also something wrong with the lack of attention and help from society. And I think that's something else that has to be corrected, but that's not a part of this discussion. So the high cost of being diabetic, the reason that I decided to sit down and write this, and I wrote it while I was away on my two-week hiatus, and it's taken off. There's been a lot of uh, people coming and visiting the blog, a lot of people reading about it, and a lot of people uh, from even some uh, diabetic websites and organizations have actually chimed in uh, to say hi and thank you, and they liked it. So I I did this because uh, I've been on this quest lately as as my diabetes has started has gotten worse where my a1c my number that's the that's the that's the number to know 
when you're diabetic. And as that's gotten worse, and I've now I'm on one, two, three insulins plus pills, you know, this all becomes, uh, you know, quite expensive to be diabetic. And, and my quest has been to find ways to uh, afford uh, the insulin, the, the, the insulin, the insulin, you know, the, the uh, pill medication I take so far, not too bad. Of course, I've just been, since the blog, since the editorial, I've been put on a new pill that will now enter this discussion tonight. If you follow me on Facebook, you'll know what I'm talking about. But the problem is insulin. I mean, this started out as insulin, right? It started out as saying, hey, I have insurance through work. It's a high deductible insurance. And before you start reaping the benefits of having affordable insurance with with these plans, you have to meet that deductible. And until you meet that deductible, you have to pay the negotiated rate for everything out of pocket. Okay? When you're looking at health care, there's the non-insurance rate, or what you would call street rate, the negotiated rate, and then the copay rate. So if you come in off the street, this is what you would pay. And if you have insurance, but you haven't met your deductible yet you'll pay the full negotiated rate. And then once you hit once you've paid enough out of pocket to meet the deductible, the insurance will kick in and then you have to you have the copay rates. So I have a high deductible insurance. I'm not very sickly other than the diabetes. That's what I mentioned in the article. I don't I don't have tests all the time. I don't see the doctor more than I have to. I have I just don't have those kinds of problems. Knock on wood, thank you very much. So, uh, for the past three years, since I've had this commercial insurance without my wife on it, so as a, as a single person on the insurance, it's extremely hard to, and not being sickly, it's extremely hard to meet that deductible. So, until I meet that deductible, I'm expected under my insurance to pay for a box of insulin pens $660 a month out of pocket. Now, sure, if I did that for um, six or seven months, I forget what the calculation is, I would hit that deductible. But when you are a single paycheck family and, and you cannot, no way, make that decision, you cannot pay that money, then you never achieve your deductible. So, so, so there's a, there's economic factors here in play for me, and those economic factors for many people out there. As I read more and more and gained more knowledge about this problem before I wrote about it, it's amazing to me how people that are worse off than me are making tougher decisions because these are life decisions. These are people that don't have insurance at all, and the decision they're making is: Do I pay three thousand dollars this month? for this insurance if I can even find it or do I pay the rent and the food think about that decision so the problem here is not whether I can afford this or not or whether other families worse off than me can afford this or not that's no longer the problem the problem is why do we have to come up with this money 
to pay for a drug that is is dependent upon life. The founders of insulin gave the patent away because they called it a gift of life. And now there are three companies holding on to the patent. And every time they make a slight change in it, they apply for a new patent. So I was researching and spoke to people and my care team about the possibility of obtaining this through Canada. Which I did. So there's the answer for people who have been waiting for the program tonight to find out how that went. I did, in fact, go and purchase Humalog from Libby in Canada for $90 for the box of five pens. That otherwise cost me seven times more, $660 here in the United States. That's the negotiated rate. See, here's the, here's the thing, folks. Follow me along here. That's the negotiated rate under my Blue, Claw, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Delaware plan. $660 negotiated rate, which I have to pay until I hit my deductible, which will not happen. In Canada, not running through the insurance because they can't. They're outside the country. $90. Street price. Five pens, Humalog, from Libby in Canada. So if the street, if you have no insurance here in the U.S., you're paying 3000 plus for those five pens. So this is where I need help. I need help understanding why in America, if I had no insurance, let's just negate the insurance because there is no insurance being run when you buy your drugs in Canada. You still need a script from the doctor, but it's not being run through any insurance. So why in Canada is the same product, $90, that is over $3,000 here? Why is that? That is absurd, to say the least. And it makes me angry. And if I meet my deductible, guess what? It's $30. So $3,660.30. I have no explanation for that. And the, these are things that, okay, I, I guess I knew. I mean, I had this high deductible insurance for three years. And most of the time during those three years, other than the affordable uh, very expensive generic pills that I've been taking. My care team has helped me as much as possible with samples of the insulins. So, and then now I'm looking at making some different changes for the following year. But, someone has got to get behind this problem. Somebody has to get behind this problem. How do we find out, A, why Libby, the same product, is that much less expensive in Canada versus here? Same product. Same product. Step two is, how do we correct that? 
I mean, going back to the first question, I, I really want to know how that price difference is is so extreme. And I'd like to know how the people who run Libby and Novo Nordisk and the third company, which is in my blog, can't think of them off the top of my head, how do these people sleep at night? And this is not just a problem in the United States, okay? This is a problem all over the world. All over the world. More than 50% of the people around the world who are diabetic cannot afford their medicines. They can't afford the insulin that they need to live or die. It's easy to use that phrase loosely with almost any subject. Oh, it's a life or death situation. This is a life or death call. And the profits, the profits will really make you scratch your head. If you look at it, do the research on the profits, and it's in my blog. Eli Lilly alone, just one of the three. Eli Lilly Company, who manufactures Humalog and Trulicity, two of the three that I take, are expecting revenues this year of 23 to 23.5 billion dollars. Think about that. 23 and a half billion dollars. I can tell you how many zeros are in that, but I can't even fathom that. You know, it's hard enough for me to fathom when I, you know, put out 2 bucks to play the lottery, the chances of winning 10 million dollars. That is an amazing amount of revenue for one company. Not to mention the Norvo, and not to mention the third one. Three companies running the whole game. But that's just that. Now, what happened since I wrote the blog? Well, I've been changed over to a medicine uh, called Sinjardi. Now, if, you ha- if you're a fan of the website, if you visit frequent our Facebook page... You will see the graphic that I posted, a screenshot of my screen. Uh, when I found out I was going on this, I ran a price on it. Because here's the thing. I take It's a combination of two pills, metformin, which helps with the glucose, and Jardiance, which targets the A1C problem. I used to take the Jardiance as a sample because it's a, under my plan, the negotiated rate is $400 a month. So I was getting that as a sample. My metformin costs me $4 a month. So I said, well, let me take a look and see, and then maybe I can get a coupon code or something, which will allow me to have a lower copay, maybe even zero, depending, you know, from the manufacturer. They make these things. So I looked it up, and of course, if you've been to the Facebook page, you've seen what one month supply of Sinjardi, combination of two pills, that if I could afford them every month, would cost me a maximum of $405 a month. But for the pill, the negotiated rate, until I meet my deductible, that's, that's that middle rate. Because I have insurance, I get the negotiated rate of $932 a month. $932 a month. That is just insane. If I pay my deductible, $30. If I pay my deductible, $30. 
And I'm not even going to bother mentioning the street value because it doesn't matter. Because there's... <laughs> you have to be well off. I'm not going to say millionaire. You have to be well off to be able to regularly afford this medication. And then, of course, with this high deductible plan, if you're not very sickly, sure. If I could spit out all this money in a month just for one product, it would take me seven months of the year to hit my deductible and get a better rate for the last five. If I had to take, if I had to purchase all three, forget it. It's not happening. It's not happening now. I went to Canada where I could afford the box of pens for my regular Humalog, and then my care team helped me out with the balance of what I'm taking right now. There is no way. And I'm, I can't fathom, I can't figure out, it makes me so angry that they can get away with this. Because I, I said earlier, number one, I want to know how. And I, I want to change that right now because number one should be there's no excuse for this. No excuse. The men who founded insulin are not turning in their graves, ladies and gentlemen. They're spinning like a top. And this should enrage everybody, whether you have diabetes or not, because you may find out one day you do. You may know people who have. Everyone knows somebody close to them that has diabetes. This is an outrage. I would encourage everybody to look into this and go to stopdiabetes.com and see what you can do to take some part. I've uh, I, I've uh, already uh, put my name into some petitions. They're trying to get Congress to haul these people into hearings and ask why. Why? What for? And... It, it, I, I would agree. They have to. They have to. And the President of the United States has said that one of his things he wants to do is go after the pharmaceutical companies and find out why they charge such high rates. And I hope he does. Because someone's got to step in and figure out what the hell is going on and get it straightened out. If I can buy that medication for $90 there, why would I have to why would I be expected to pay 3000 here? There is a problem and that problem just based on my experience between the two countries because this happens all over the world, but that puts a real big fat label on it saying that the pharmaceutical companies in the United States of America are the problem. And we need to fix it. I'm going to take a quick break and be back right after this. So I use my computer every day. I'm not even sure how I get along without it. But I wasn't prepared for a virus. A Trojan, they called it. One night I'm cruising along, and the next night I can't do anything. I was afraid it was going to cost me a fortune. Boy, was I surprised. They had me back up and running the same day I called them. I really like PC Tech Rescue. And you know what? My wallet likes them too. Are you troubled by computer problems? 
PC Tech Rescue should be your very next call. Whether the problem is viruses, hardware, software, or any other issue, they can diagnose your problem and have you back up and running fast. With more than 25 years of industry experience, you can be sure you are getting dependable and affordable service. Call today, 484-429-6061, or email us at pctechrescue at gmail.com. Hello, Nation, and welcome back to the Joel Mahalik Show. I'm Joel Mahalik. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening to the program. We've reached the third and final segment of the show. Visit me at joelmahalik.com for archives, current show, playing live on Sunday nights uh, on the website. Uh, or visit me on Facebook at JM Talk, Twitter, WQIB Radio, Instagram, Joel Mahalik. We're Joel M. Uh, so welcome back to the show. I just wanted to kind of pick up where we left off, finish that up before we move on to the next item uh, with diabetes, and say, look, uh, there are life choices that you make, okay? When you find out you have diabetes, it's very hard. Most people, when they first find out, they lose a lot of weight, they go into panic mode, and it's hard to keep up with, okay? Um, it's hard to figure out how to eat well when you go out. When you're on vacation. All these things. But you have to make these choices. We know that. We become lazy. We're in a very lazy society. So we become lazy with our habits. We develop some new eating habits and then we fail. Okay? It's like any other diet. You do the best you can and you fail. Sometimes you don't. It's not a diet where you're trying to lose some weight. It's a diet where you're trying to stay alive. Okay? So there are things in life that make that hard to do and right now the problem is we need this medication because whether we're being uh, very good as a diabetic or not or somewhere in between the medication still helps even when we're behaving we still have to control blood sugar and the pharmaceutical companies at least in the United States and all over the world because there are people who just can't afford the product all over the world no matter what the uh, economic fabric is something has to be done about it so i'm urging you to visit stopdiabetes.com see how you can help sign petitions calling for congress to haul these companies in for answers you know um i'm working on drafting a letter to my senators from here in Delaware. I don't know how well that'll go. I've written to them before. It, I, I unfortunately have that vision that they, it does nothing. When you get no response or a general response that has nothing to do with all the work you put into it, it is something that you feel falls on deaf ears. That's a fact. I'm sharing my experience with you. I'm not saying that's how it is. What I'm saying is, if you, I'm, I just feel like, from my personal experience, if I write something that I'm passionate about, but you're not passionate about it, then I'm going to get the required response. I've written several times to all the legislatures, local and national, out of Delaware, and have apparently my passions are not their passions, is what it comes down to. So, But I am working on drafting a letter to both the state senators, 
And I'm going to do the same for the Congress people because there has to be some action on this. And meanwhile, all of us suffering from diabetes continue, continue our fight to find ways to make it work financially. And it's tough as I've, I've given you a small sampling but if you could just go on a website, even GoodRx, which tries, GoodRx will usually get you uh, a discount down to the negotiated rate of most insurance companies. So if you have no insurance, GoodRx.com is a great place to go because they'll at least get you into the ballpark of negotiated rates. Go and look at all kinds of different medications for diabetes and look at what the, the fees are at a discount. And... Um, and help us if you can. You know, all I'm asking for in this world of all this garbage going on, fake news and the left attacking the right, the right attacking the left, everybody bickering and bitching and moaning, what I'm saying is here's a real problem for you. Why don't you elected officials do something about some real problems that affect us? That would be great. Because guess what? It doesn't matter whether you're left, right, or in the middle. People on the left, right, and in the middle are suffering bad from diabetes. Now, there's something I can get behind in a political arena. So anyway. StopDiabetes.com, please, you know. Especially if you're diabetic. If you're diabetic and you feel lost, start there. That's where I landed and then a lot of things started coming to light. And then I ended up writing that article. But it's a good starting place. There are ways, and th these websites will help you find ways to try to form. If you have no insurance, there are avenues for you. That There are avenues that I wish I could pursue, but I can't because I do have insurance. So look into that. Get the help you need now because the side effects of diabetes are, they're fatal. So, one of the main side effects is ketoacidosis. If you don't know what that is, it's that, 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 what that does is it just starts shutting your organs down one by one by one until you die. Until you die. Even though weeks before the article, weeks before, you know, I had already started making some serious adjustments in my life habits and my dietary habits. It's not going to fix it. I have diabetes. And contrary to what some doctors have said, you're not going to reverse it. It's genetics. You have it. You can control it. And you may, in rare cases, be able to control it without any medication at all. But the further along you are, uh, w without being able to hit those things and do those things, and if your genetics just aren't with the program, you won't get rid of it. We have it. And so, you don't want to have the side effects. You know, cardio problems, cancer, ketoacidosis, all these things. So, 
visit this website to get a, like a starting point and educate yourself. Because the one thing I did find out, as I said, is if you don't have insurance, there's help from the manufacturers. I will give them that. They'll help you if you have no insurance. Not if you do, but if you don't, there's ways that they can help. So there you have it. There you have it. I calmed myself down. I was really angry. <laughs> In fact, Friday I was really angry. And I thought that uh, this was going to be a much angrier show. But uh, I'm, I'm somewhat <laughs> I'm somewhat calmed down uh, from that. Uh, but it is a serious, you know, uh, it's a serious problem. Uh, many people suffering from it. So anyway, let's move on to the segment we call Wombat of the Week. Now, Wombat of the Week, how do you get involved? You can send me your news stories of stupid people doing stupid things to joelmaholicradio at gmail.com or to wombat at joelmaholic.com. You can also send us a message across Facebook, Facebook at JM Talk, and send us stories. So how it works right now is I sift through the stories throughout the week. If I don't get many submissions or any submissions and I go out and I pursue on my own uh, stories of stupid people doing stupid things, and I gather a couple stories, and I look through them and see which one, uh, to me, for the week, is the the stupidest. Is that even a word? Stupidest? I don't know. Let me have some tea. I'll think about it. Mm. Homemade diabetic sweet tea. Um, okay. So, and then I present the, the winner, my winner, my chosen selection for winner. What I would like to do in the near future is present two to three stories each week, maybe earlier in the program, and then have the panel, the audience panel, send in their votes during the course of the show. And then, of course, then we present the winner at the end of the show. That would be pretty cool. I mean, we only have an hour together, so we'd have to do the Wombat stuff first and have the winner near the end of the show but that would be pretty cool audience participation you getting involved right now you can get involved by sending me the stories and then later on you can get involved by voting for the winner live on the air or from the chat rooms as it were or from the comfort of your own computer how cool is that so uh there, there was not much but it's weird right i've been off for two weeks uh, most of the two weeks, honestly, I was not looking. So in looking this week, there were some slim pickings on really good ones. But this one I picked because it kind of goes hand in hand with something I mentioned during the diabetic segment. and something that we mentioned quite often about how the, there's, there's some issues with society, right? There's some issues with uh, society in many different ways. Okay, we talked about problems with social media. We talked about problems with... The way we eat and the way society kind of forces you to eat, you know? Um, so all these different things. Well, uh, the the headline that hit me this week kind of goes in line with that because according to, accordion, according to a survey conducted by the Harris Poll, the 2018 Harris Poll Equitrend Study, which asked over 77,000 people in the United States ages 15 and over, what is America's favorite Mexican restaurant? And according to the survey, folks, believe this or not, 
Taco Bell is the winner. Think about that. Taco Bell is America's favorite Mexican restaurant. Excuse me for a minute. Bullshit. Um, the, it's not even a Mexican restaurant, first of all. It's not even a Mexican restaurant. It's fast food. It's fast food. Now, I enjoy an occasional stop at Taco Bell. I love the Mexican pizza and have since they came out with the restaurant when I was a kid. No matter what I get at Taco Bell, when I visit Taco Bell, it must include a Mexican pizza. So I like Taco Bell, but it's not my favorite Mexican restaurant. Listen, folks, here's here's a little taste of uh, uh, the survey. Each person was asked to rate a total of 40 randomly selected brands. Okay, the study gave participants six options. Taco Bell, Chipotle, Moe's Southwest Grill, Qdoba, Baja Fresh, and Del Taco. So let's look at this for a second. Uh, first of all, these six options, none of them are Mexican restaurants. They're not authentic Mexican restaurants. In fact, Moe's should beat out Taco Bell. Now, Taco Bell has more options. But seriously, these are all, to me, fast food. I mean, if I was doing a survey and this were the six, first of all, the first three are the only ones that I know. Qdoba, Baja Fresh, and Del Taco must be regional stuff elsewhere. Taco Bell, National Brown. Chipotle, National Brown. Moe's Southwest Grill, I guess it's a national brand. I'm not aware. I, I wasn't aware of it. I know it's regional here. Qdoba, Baja Fresh, and Del Taco, if they're national brands, where are they here? So my opinion, because I only know three of the six, is my opinion is none of the six is an authentic Mexican restaurant. Now, I don't even know if there is a national authentic Mexican restaurant that would even uh, be able to hold the title of America's favorite Mexican restaurant. Let me give you an example. I know from having acquaintances in other parts of the country that they have some nice regional Mexican restaurants. Here, we have a nice regional one called El Tapatio, which we have frequented, and it is authentic cuisine, authentic cuisine, Mexican cuisine, authentic Mexican setting, and the food is great. To me, if that was a national chain, it would be America's favorite. It could qualify as America's favorite Mexican restaurant. Because of the atmosphere. You go in there, every Friday night you go in there, first of all, the, the atmosphere is very authentic. Okay? Uh, in fact, most of the place is just lit by candlelight. Okay? Everyone is dressed in authentic uh, reproduction uh, Mexican-type clothing from the old days. On Friday nights, a Baja band. In every one, every restaurant, a Baja band appears Friday nights from like 6 to 9, I think, playing authentic Mexican music. And their food, no matter what we have gotten there, their food is amazing. Especially their tortilla soup. Oh my God. But anyway, that's a that's <laughs> different. My point is, on this list, if these were the six options I was given on the survey, I probably would not take the survey. Or, at 
at the very least, I would have chosen Moe's Southwest Grill. Definitely not Taco Bell, not as America's favorite Mexican restaurant. But what I'm saying is, they're probably, unless you can share a decent, authentic chain nationwide, no one can hold that title. Regionally, there could be competitions regionally for this title. You know, we're not picking the best sandwich shop in the uh, Philadelphia region. You're asking for the best uh, Mexican restaurant in America. And how do you do that if you don't have an authentic Mexican restaurant that's coast to coast, border to border? We have another one, unlike nothing else, Tex-Mex. We have another one here that would beat Taco Bell out all day long called Border Cafe. But it's Tex-Mex. But the food is amazing. The atmosphere is amazing. The staff is amazing. I, I gave it five stars on Yelp. But that is the only one. So it's not even like El Tapatio, which I mean, I can go anywhere in the state of Delaware and some, and even I think I've seen it even a little bit in Maryland and go to an El Tapatio. But Border Cafe is only available right here where I live in my town. And it's amazing. It's very busy though. If you can only go on a Friday or Saturday, it's busy. But the wait is not as long. It's not as long as if you go to Olive Garden. I mean, let's. what's next? Are we going to vote Olive Garden the best Italian restaurant in America? I mean, come on, people. So, I'm not sure. This, this is like a double wombat of the week for me. Because I was trying to decide, well, who who's the wombat here? Is it the uh, percentage of the 77,000 plus people who said Taco Bell? was America's favorite Mexican restaurant? Or is it the Harris Poll people for even putting out these six options and these six options only for America's favorite Mexican restaurant? That's really the only dilemma I'm left with tonight. So I think what I'm going to do, in fairness, is call it a double Wombat of the Week. And both the people who voted for it and the people who put these options out are the Wombats of the week this week. That's the only way I can do it. And so there you have it. <laughs> and that also brings us right into the end of the program. So uh, I can't even believe it's gone. I mean, I feel like I just sat down and here and here we are. So just a reminder on the social media aspect, or is what I like to call the unsocial media aspect, visit me at joelmahalik.com. That's joelmaholic.com. And uh, stop by and listen to the shows. If you're new to the show, go back and listen to the other ones. They only get better with time. I'm like I'm like wine. I'm like fine wine, right? I only get better with time. So, and, and, and so here we are. Also, stop by and say hi at Facebook at JM Talk, uh, Twitter at WQIB Radio. Love to hear from you. Send in your wombats of the week to me at joelmaholicradio at gmail.com. So until next week, please, everybody, be sure to have a very safe an enjoyable 4th of July, which is Wednesday. So if you're going to be away either weekend or the entire week, please be safe out there. And we'll catch you next Sunday right here. Good night, everybody. (laughs) 